This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel and the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me today, and it is an honor to be with you. Every day when I awake and begin my journey across all the news media from overnight and the day before, my morning quickly turns into greetings and hallucinations. Sometimes there's more hallucinations than greetings. If the papers and internet are toxic, I'll turn to Fox and Friends or Newsmax or just stare out the window across our pond. There seems to be no middle ground in national news reporting anymore. I find that the toxicity of raw, bare-knuckled partisan politics even affects our local news. Please bring back the good old Sergeant Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Politics dominates every story. And the detail about the news is either black or white. Depending on the news source, the world they report is, it just doesn't have any nuance to it. If I start with the New York Times or the Washington Post, my happy morning mood quickly turns ugly. Everything is either racist, sexist, Donald Trump's fault, or Joe Biden hero worship. The liberal legacy press and New Age woke digital media rarely give me all the facts, and the ones they cite are usually out of context or warp the context to fit their politics. This is usually too much wokeness for my six o'clock in the morning readings. So I'll start with the Wall Street Journal or some of my favorite websites like National Review or The Federalist, and then stomach my way through the hate publications in print and on the web. After all, I am a conservative, so this order makes a lot of sense to me and to my psyche. Okay, I know I'm not sharing anything new here. I just had to get that off my chest before moving forward. So let's let's change the focus. While perusing an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day, I began thinking about all the moves my wife and my family have made throughout our 40-year careers in pediatric health care. From Baltimore, where I first met my wife while working at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, to Philadelphia, then Virginia, then Boston, followed by Cincinnati, then back to Baltimore, and finally to Clearwater, Florida. Not to mention moving to different locations within the same city. Call this intra-city relocation. The toughest part of moving is dealing with all the stuff we've accumulated between moves. You know, the George Carlin stuff, the stuff that somehow magically grows over time. I would have been out here a little bit sooner, but they gave me uh, the wrong dressing room and I couldn't find any place to put my stuff. And I don't know how you are, but I need a place to put my stuff. So that's what I've been doing back there, just trying to find a place for my stuff. You know how important that is. That's the whole, that's the whole meaning of life, isn't it? Trying to find a place for your stuff. That's all your house is. Your house is just a place for your stuff. If you didn't have so much goddamn stuff, you wouldn't need a house. You could just walk around all the time. That's all your house is, it's a pile of stuff with a cover on it. You see that when you take off in an airplane and you look down and you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff. Everybody's got their own pile of stuff. And when you leave your stuff, you gotta lock it up. Wouldn't want somebody to come by and take some of your stuff. They always take the good stuff. They don't bother with that crap you're saving. 
Ain't nobody interested in your fourth grade arithmetic papers. They're looking for the good stuff. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. Now, sometimes, sometimes you've got to move. You've got to get a bigger house. Why? Too much stuff. You've got to move all your stuff. And maybe put some of your stuff in storage. Imagine that. There's a whole industry based on keeping an eye on your stuff. So, so true. The stuff of life. So true. Anyone who's moved to a completely different part of the country or within a state knows all too well what a major undertaking it is. And once you've arrived at your new location, it takes lots of time to acclimate to new surroundings, rules, laws, customs, and even language and local idioms. Of course, some things never change. Everywhere I've ever lived, uh, folks say, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute and it will change. Perhaps you've also heard folks tell you when you've asked for directions, well, you can't get there from here. And then they kindly share a complicated hand-gestured set of instructions, and you thank them for their help, and you drive away, find a spot to pull over on the road, and you Google directions. And Google shows you all the same twists and turns, but a staccato Google voice drives you through each maneuver one at a time. And who can forget the challenge of moving with young children? Uh, with children. Moving comes with a whole nother set of requirements and adjustments. Oh, the joys of moving to an entirely new location. And I will admit, the first several moves are exciting. So much new to learn and explore. But moving also comes with a lot, with even mountains of uncertainty, which if not made certain can lead to distressing insecurity and even growing fear of the unknown. How, how will I fit in? How will my children adapt? If I'm a conservative, how will I survive in a very liberal or even liberal progressive environment? Will, will, I, will I be ostracized and, and, and friendless? Yes, I do believe cancel culture is real. I suppose it depends on the type of person you are and how well and how quickly you could adapt. Now, if you're an optimistic explorer and a quick and easy adapter, Moves can be exhilarating. However, if you're a pessimist, an introvert, don't like change, or you're just plain lazy, <laughs> moves can be a drag, and at times intimidating and even overwhelming. If you're in this latter category, please stay with me today. This move we're about to make won't hurt you at all, I promise. The journey we're going to take together today is going to be fun and educational. I'd like you all to play a... Let's move thought game with me today. Why not move somewhere together, right now? Now trust me, this won't be stressful. Well, if you're a liberal, it may ouch time uh, just a little bit. But remember, this move is a fictional move. I do believe, however, you're going to find it quite instructive and perhaps even eye-opening. I want to tell you that all events that occur during our move today are based on real-life happenings as reported in reputable journals and publications. The only parts that are fictional are the names of our play actors and the locations depicted. So first let's choose a location to move to. How about why not? Yes, uh, I said let's move to why not? Why not? Next I'm going to suggest the main characters in our fictional relocation scenario. I'll be Mia, short for Amelia, there's a long story there. 
Now, even though Mia is a female character, I can play Mia's role because I am very secure in my heterosexuality. I only state this because I don't want you to assume that I'm gender fluid. Uh, please forgive my deep voice as I portray Mia. If it helps, just assume I'm suffering from voice-deepening allergies at the moment. Now, my husband's name is Ted. Soon we'll meet a real estate agent named Lydia and her sister named Sage. More about them as we go along. Now, Ted's employer wants Ted to open and manage a new company plant in the city of Why Not. The job comes with a sizable pay increase and additional management benefits. Plus, this will move Ted forward in his career with the company. So, yes, this is a great opportunity. As, as I was saying, Ted and I know very little, if anything, about the city of Why Not, other than perhaps how to spell it, and that it's in the state of Hope You Like It. But there, there's some good news to report. The company is going to pay all the usual moving expenses, plus a cash bonus to help us with the immediate costs of traveling to explore Why Not. The company is also going to help us with the cost of traveling the five of us, Ted, myself, our two daughters, a son, and our dog to Why Not. But if you've moved across country before, you know there's more costs than just the financial ones. Economists call the financial costs combined with the social, psychological, or human costs, they call these the switching costs of a move. And there's a whole lot of switching and cost involved in moving cross-country with kids. Now, according to the Move at Your Own Risk website, these social psychological costs includes the time and effort in finding new schools for your children, which in turn are probably going to determine where you look for a house. And in our case, we'll have to sell our house before we settle on a house and why not. The Move at Your Own Risk website also said that juggling selling your house while simultaneously buying another house out of state can be as stressful as getting a divorce, and, and sometimes getting a divorce is easier. Okay, I, I think they were just joking. A at least I hope so. But moving along, Ted and I have decided to accept the move to Why Not? Our daughter, the one starting high school, and our son in middle school, they're not, not very happy about this move. They can't bear the thought of losing their friends, but our first grader thinks it's exciting. Ted's employer waited until this summer to make the offer so we could consider moving without interrupting the kids' education. I'm happy for the extra time so we can begin learning about our new home and why not in this state of hope you like it. The kids had a terrific school year, the whole year of in-class, in-person learning. We feel so grateful that our governor insisted that our public schools open two months after the country shut down for the pandemic. So many of Ted's company acquaintances in other states still don't have full-time instruction in their public schools. Well, moving along, like everything in life, I'm making lists. Lists for here, lists for when we get there, and lists for the list I should have made but didn't know I needed. The first list I'm working on includes the stress of all the switching costs, like, like everything from hiring a moving service to finding a local realtor to help us sell our house. Uh, well, we're going to have to get a house inspection and a market evaluation and talk with a bank holding the mortgage. Uh, we've got scores of accounts to close, including changing our mailing address to our new location, which we, we, we don't even have yet. And then there are all those uh, goodbyes and wistful promises to stay in touch, which never really seems to happen. 
And when we get to where we're going, we'll have to find new grocery stores and other shopping centers and why not. And we'll need to find new hairdressers and car dealer services and churches and elementary, middle, and high school. I'll have to find a post office and new banks and set up new accounts. And there's new dry cleaners and we have to get new driver's licenses and lawn services and doctors like pediatricians and dentists and hospitals and urgent care clinics and on and on and and it it never ends and I I better just catch my breath. Well, well, high on my list is a planned visit to Why Not as soon as possible. I've got to scout these locations out and gather some information. Now, the Move at Your Own Risk website said that most people who explore a new city or a town, they they start with a local realtor or someone who, who knows the city well, someone perhaps who works with your husband's company and relocating other employees to places like why not now personally I'll settle for an experienced reputable realtor perhaps one who's native to why not uh, the realtor by the way we're going to be working with today her name is Lydia Lydia knows why not inside out her family's been in why not for generations and she's been in real estate for 10 plus years and I'm told she's a top agent besides she's facilitating a lot of other employees uh, from Ted's company to why not so I know she's going to be straight with me. At least that's that's my working assumption. We're, we're just hoping the price of housing will be within our personal financial reality. Move at your own risk said the biggest financial and practical lifestyle decisions revolve around where we decide to live, including if we're going to buy or rent a house, the best schools available to our children, the distances to work and the school and the shopping availability, In other words, how much time are we going to spend driving to and from everywhere we have to get to nearly every day? Move at your own risk also said that new homeowners don't often think about this, but that we should check into how far away the firehouse and police departments are from where we want to buy our dream house. Now, we're a middle-class family, so we'd like to locate in a well-kept and safe middle-class neighborhood. We currently live in a very safe city. And it's a very secure, conscious red city in a very red state. Uh, if you're if you're not familiar with the term red, uh, it's just another way of saying Republican or more properly conservative. There have been no efforts to defund the police here, a, 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 as I see going on in other cities. In fact, our governor has offered a $500 bonus to any police officer who moves to the state. Oh, that reminds me. The whole family belongs to the NRA. I mean the National Rifle Association. Ted grew up in the country and he's been a hunter since he was knee-high. He's big on gun safety and we often get out to the gun range to practice and have some family fun. I'm surprised how quickly our two daughters have taken the target practice. So let me add this to the list to check on city gun ordinances and local NRA chapters. Wherever we find a house, we want it to be relatively close to Ted's new place of employment. But we have three children, one daughter entering the first grade, one son in middle school, and one daughter just beginning high school. So schools are critically important at this point in our family. And that reminds me, I have to check on school bus services. Currently, we have no problem with school buses where we currently live. But I've been reading all the problems other schools are having with finding bus drivers, even teachers and teaching substitutes. So I might have to drive the kids to school each day and why not? Well, we'll see.
I manage all the household finances, so I began researching how our taxes are going to change when we move to Why Not. Why Not has a flat city income tax of 5.9%. Boo! This in addition to the state's 6.6 income tax rate. We don't have either of these in Normalville, where we currently live. There's a 7% sales tax on everything we buy, and there's yearly property taxes on a house. Now, I'm told property taxes can be high in better locations, and why not? But the sales tax and high property taxes are pretty much the same here. Whatever. But a city and state income tax totaling 12.5% is steep. I mean, after all, I expected the sticker shock of higher taxes since we're moving from a red state to a blue state and a blue city. And they, these places have a lot more taxes. Oh, blue, by the way, is another euphemism for spendthrift liberals. Uh, sorry if my bias shows. Unless I'm missing something, I don't see what the extra 12.5% in local and state taxes does for my family. It's a good thing we're getting a cost of living adjustment from Ted's company. Okay, now moving along. I, I've just finished cruising Zillow and my nerves. Houses are much more expensive and why not? Wow, I wonder why. Plus, we're moving from a warm to a cold state. I don't mean politically, I mean temperature-wise. So we're going to have heating bills in the winter, which will be something new for us. I've been reading about Biden's crackdown on fossil fuels ever since he became president, or whatever he's officially nowadays. I mean, they stroll him out in front of a teleprompter every week, and he squints his way through reading out loud a speech he's apparently never read before. Uh, whatever. Apparently, natural gas and heating oil is going to cost about 30% more this year than last. Oh boy, something else to think about. Tomorrow I'm going to get on a plane and visit our new city. Uh, why not? Well, here we go. Why not doesn't have an airport of its own, so I flew into Fraxis, which is only 11 miles north of Why Not. I took a very early morning flight, and Lydia, the realtor, was kind enough to pick me up at the Fraxis airport. From there we drove to Why Not. Now, it was too early to check into the hotel, so as any gracious host, Lydia asked me if I'd like to stop and get a light breakfast and a cup of coffee or tea before we started our tour. She said, if I'd like, we could stop by the hotel after eating and get me checked in. I said, that sounds terrific, and by the way, please call me Mia. It's short for Amelia. And yes, it's, it's a long story. There aren't too many Amelias using Mia. Lydia said there's a small, quiet, delightful restaurant just a couple of blocks from here. And it's not far from the hotel, so let's stop there and get a bite. Before I could answer, Lydia asked, Did you happen to bring your vaccine passport with you? I think I mentioned it in the email that it, it might be helpful for getting into some stores and restaurants. I said, Yes, I did remember to bring it, and yes, stopping would be wonderful. The flight was quite early today, and they don't even serve water on these flights nowadays. Lydia said, I know what you mean. She went on to say, sorry about the vaccine passport nonsense. The businesses here are still under a city hall show your passport mandate. It's driving all of us nuts, but so far the business council hasn't had any luck getting the mandate rescinded. And now that President Biden is mandating vaccines, it's not likely they're going to have any luck going forward. 
Oh, well, I imagine your husband Ted will be dealing with his vaccine stuff, too. Lydia said we're pretty much a Democrat Party stronghold. Biden won the two districts that overlapped the city by 14 points. But that might, that might be changing soon. Folks aren't that happy about the economy at the moment, and there's been a lot of concern about what's been going on in our public schools. Uh, but that's a, that's a long story. Uh, let's, let's find a table. Once seated and served, I told Lydia we have three school-aged children, and schools, good schools, are very important to my husband Ted and me. Lydia asked, are, are you interested in private schools, say Catholic schools? I said, not, not particularly. Why? Lydia said, because there's a long waiting list to enroll in private schools, and why not? She said, we have one private non-denominational school and, and two Catholic schools, and all three are impossible to get into. I asked, why? Do you have to be gifted or take a special entrance exam to get in? Lydia said, no, it's just that some people prefer private schools over public schools. And if you'd be interested in one of the private schools, we have to get started on those applications right away. Lydia said, my sister Sage has been trying to get her two daughters into Catholic school for the last year and a half. Uh, the waiting lines at, at all three schools are just ridiculously long. Lydia said, both Catholic schools have huge building projects going on that, that are going to add space for about another 1,200 children, but it's going to be another year before they can take in more kids. I said, wow, I didn't know there were so many Catholics in this city. Lydia said, oh, oh, oh no, it's, it's not that. The majority of kids going to these Catholic schools aren't even Catholic. It's just that people tend to prefer the private school environment over the public system. And beside, kids in the private schools don't have to wear masks or get vaccinated to attend. And according to my sister Sage, eh, that's a big thing for the coming school year. You see, the public school board uh, just met last month and passed these policies that all kids have to wear masks in school for the coming year, and they're all going to have to be COVID vaccinated by the first week of classes. Even, even kids entering kindergarten in the first grade, I asked. Lydia said, I was at the last school board meeting with Sage, my sister, the one with two daughters, and I can tell you parents at that meeting were none too happy about these policies. I, I suppose this is one of the reasons parents are desperate to get into one of the private schools. But that's another story I can save for later. I, I said, no, no, that that's okay. Please go right ahead. I really need to come up to speed on what's going on at the schools. Lydia said, I really should put you in touch with Sage. She knows all about the Why Not School system. Lydia went on to say, don't get me wrong. Why Not really has a pretty good public school system. I, I went through the school system all the way from kindergarten uh, through high school graduation. And, and I had no problem getting into an excellent college. But about six or seven years ago, the city had an unexpected growth spurt and the school system struggled. Class sizes increased and there was a lot of teacher turnover. Sage said that the, at the same time, there was a lot of changes in administration in the school's curriculum. And like, like you hear from all over the country, our school board members turned over and a lot of do-gooders, people interested in all that stuff about equity and inclusion began making policy changes on their own without parents' input, and there was a lot of tension at school board meetings, which, which is a funny story in itself. 
Well, I don't mean funny, funny. It's just that hardly anyone, I mean, hardly any parents ever attended these school board meetings until their kids started coming home with their weird homework assignments. Then it seemed that everyone was interested in what the school board was up to. So if you didn't get to a school board meeting early, I, I mean early, you didn't get in because the, the hall was packed. Lydia went on to say her sister, Sage, is a teacher or she was a teacher until the pandemic hit. Lydia said, so I'd usually go to the school board meetings with her. She wanted to keep up with what was going on with teachers and, and stuff like that. But also these board changes affected her daughters as well. Now she thinks the teachers union has had a negative influence on the board. I asked her, what do you, what do you mean by negative? Lydia said, well, I don't know if this stuff has come up to where you live, but but here the teachers' unions used to be all about working conditions and wages. But these past couple of years, they're all about politics, and it's all about woke politics. She said, now, I don't mean to offend you, so if this makes you feel uncomfortable, we can, we can talk about the housing market and why not, or something else. Of course, I said, oh, no, please, please go on. I said, I hear about problems of wokeness in schools from good friends who live in Democrat-controlled school systems all the time. And thank goodness we haven't had to deal with it in, in Normalville at all. Lydia said they're really pushing all this critical race theory and gender stuff. And it seems the union's a little too cozy with most of the new board members on the school board. And the gender and sex stuff has gone ballistic with parents. I'll let Sage tell you about that. But if you're ready, let's go check into your hotel and go look at some homes. So we went to the hotel, I checked in and freshened up, and off we went to see Holmes. Now, while I was checking in, Lydia called her sister Sage, and Sage said she'd love to have me for coffee tomorrow morning, say about 10 o'clock, so we made a date. Now, I fell in love with the third house we visited, the house set off of a very large pond. When you walked into the house, you immediately looked across the rooms into a very large, high-steepled ceiling with surrounding large picture windows that looked out over the pond. It was just plain gorgeous. Only one problem. The backyard was peppered with goose poop. The neighbors who came out to speak with me said they considered these Canadian geese illegal aliens. Now, I love the house. I just wish that Noah would have forgotten to take two Canadian geese on the ark with him. One of the neighbors said, Canadian geese are the only animal God created that puts out more than it takes in. Well, that was quite apparent. After checking out two more houses, we were back to my hotel by 5 p.m., and boy, was I exhausted. And this is an excellent place for us to take a very short break. Now, don't touch that dial. You're going to want to hear the rest of this story. Back in seconds. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. 
They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. I'm excited to talk about a new product from Healthy Cell, AC11. This is a patented bioactive extract of Uncaria tomentosa from the Amazon rainforest. It supports cell DNA repair and health span. It's a dietary supplement. I'm excited to try it. Many are interested in longevity and attenuation of senescence. We know that telomere length and other uh, biologic measures are related to senescence in uh, 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 clinical and uh, preclinical studies, particularly of animal models. And I can tell you as a doctor, dietary supplements do hold the promise of attenuating repair and damage in our body due to stress, physical wear and tear, sunlight, etc. And there's a tremendous opportunity for supplements to help us in this area. And so Healthy Cell has brought a product to market for you to try as part of your health portfolio. So please go to HealthyCell.com and in the promotional code, list out loud for 20% off your first purchase of products from Healthy Cell. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. AmericaOutloud.com is the alternative from the agenda-driven globalist. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. On-demand podcast or real-time talk radio with our streaming apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. I'm Mia, and let's get to the second part of my story about our possible, uh, becoming less likely all the time, move from Normalville to the city of Why Not in the state of Hope You Like It. Because I had so many questions about the schools, Lydia said when she dropped me off at the hotel that she'd pick me up around 9.45 in the morning and we'd go over to her sister's. So up to the hotel room where I immediately ordered room service and watched the local news while I ate. When I finished eating, I plugged in my laptop and hooked it up to the hotel's Wi-Fi and began looking at all the recent local stories about the Why Not School Board and parents. Lo and behold, there's a parents organization called, you guessed it, Why Not Parents Organization. And their website is very organized, detailed, and they have over 2,400 parent members. The Why Not Parents Association is suing the Why Not School Board over the $1.8 million of books purchased for English Lit classes and for all the Why Not School libraries. This was done now at the behest of the Teachers Union and per the recommendations of a critical race consulting firm, 
the, the board hired for advice and instruction. Huh, how strange. The list on the Why Not Parents Association's website looks like it's right out of the LGBTQ activist community. Now, no time to read the entire list. Besides, it would freak you out. <laughs> it freaked me out. Instead of reading it to you, there's an audio clip on the Why Not Parents Association's website of a mother confronting the Why Not School Board about these books. This mother is reading a passage from one of these controversial books. Uh, let me play the clip for you. Oh, oh, don't worry, I have a special software program, and I've cut out the really gross parts of this passage. Uh, but I'm sure your imagination can fill in the offensive words in the places I deleted. Nevertheless, it does get a little graphic, and so if you've got young children, you may want to turn the volume down for just a second. Mr. Casa, let me share with you and your colleagues one of these books that up until this week resided in the Oak Park Elementary Library. This book was removed because of one of our parents. This book is All Boys Aren't Blue, a memoir manifesto by George Johnson. You told me to take off my pajama pants, which I did. You then took off your shorts, followed by your boxers. There you stood in front of me, fully erect, and said, this is what boys like us do when we like each other. You eventually got up off me and told me to come to the bathroom, that you wanted to show me one more thing. You turned on the light and closed the door. You began stroking yourself in front of me. I just stood there nervous because I didn't know what to expect next. You said, just keep watching, Matt. So I stood there and watched you for several minutes. Then you began to moan slightly. I took a step back because I didn't know what was about to happen. And then it did. After a few minutes of fun and games, he got up and went to the nightstand where he pulled out a condom and some lube. He then lay down on his stomach. I knew what I had to do, even if I had never done it before. I had one point of reference, though, and that was seven-plus years of watching pornography. Although the porn was heterosexual, it was enough of a reference point for me to get the job done. I will not continue. Do any of you, any of you, find this book that depicts a sexual encounter and rape acceptable for any minor regardless of gender or sexual orientation, because I do not find this at all acceptable. A child is a child, and if you see this acceptable, you belong on a national registry and not a school board. My nerves. I don't know how she got through reading this in public without shouting at the why not school board members. Oh, on to the next hyperlink. The why not school board has five female members. Apparently, one of the female members is an ardent Muslim who is openly anti-Semitic and very anti-Israel. Now, we're not Jewish, but I can't believe this is going over well with any decent anti-bigoted parent. Apparently, there's some giant fishers in this community. She was voted in as an at-large member of the board. With the teachers' union support, of course, and their funding, or so say the parents on the Why Not Parents Association. This board member just gave a recent graduation speech at one of the Why Not High Schools. The Why Not Parents Association posted her entire 35-minute speech on their website. But let me play just a small part of it here. First, let us acknowledge the stolen land of the Manahoic people, on which we have learned, lived, this theft is a reminder to us of what happens when we delay justice, when we don't speak up, when we don't stand up in time. We struggle with human greed, racism, 
extreme versions of individualism and capitalism, white supremacy, growing wealth gaps, disease, climate crisis, extreme poverty amidst luxury and waste right next door. And the list goes on. You all know this. This was from the first five minutes of her speech. She really got into the swing of progressive wokeism as the speech went on. In addition to being a very vocal proponent of defunding the Why Not Police, this board member has had several run-ins with the Why Not Police Department. Apparently, she's no stranger to controversy. For instance, while running for the at-large board seat, she was stopped by a police officer for texting while driving and for making an illegal turn at a red light. Now, she refused to obey 12 commands from the officer to produce her license and registration. She refused to answer and refused to get out of the car. Here's a clip from the police officer's body camera of that arrest. Get out of the car right now. I'll give you my license. I'll give you my license. Get out of the car. I didn't do anything. Get out of the car, ma'am. I'll give you my license, sir. Last chance. Sir, why? Why? Well, in case you were wondering about all the screaming at the end of that audio clip, that was her reacting to being pepper sprayed and subsequently arrested. (laughs) What irony. She quickly pleaded no contest to the traffic violations and the arrest. She then, the next day, told the Washington Post that she had plans on pursuing conversations with the Why Not Police Department about sensitivity training. She added, if this had been someone else, this just wouldn't have happened. The Why Not Parent Group has begun a recall petition to remove her. Apparently, she was one of several new board members who voted, with the support of the teachers' union, to keep the Why Not schools closed for a total of 480 days of in-class instruction over the past two years, citing the COVID pandemic and teacher safety as their major concerns. Go figure. One of the really big and complicated stories on their website is about a sex survey given to Why Not students 12 years of age and, and, and up. It says parents weren't notified about this survey beforehand, thus they had no opportunity to opt out of it for their children. Now, this in-class survey was conducted on a Thursday during the last week of school. Now, given they say that Why Not only had eight weeks of in-class instruction before the summer break, parents were even angrier about using this time for this outrageous parental unvetted sex survey. Apparently, the survey was conducted by the same critical race theory consulting firm the board employed to conduct a, uh, what is this called, a cultural inclusiveness assessment survey two years ago, just before the pandemic. The Why Not Parents Association found out about who and how much this cultural inclusiveness assessment survey, that's a mouthful, cost by filling an expensive freedom of information application out. Now, it turns out the Why Not Board spent, what, $2.5 million for the cultural survey, which basically justified the board spending another $2 million for uh, multicultural teacher instruction and a revamping of the social studies and sex education curriculum. Oh, that must have really... No, I, I won't even get into it. On the face of it, the Why Not Board argues that multiculturalism isn't critical race theory. (laughs) 
I know critical race theory is not taught here. But the Why Not Parents Association takes huge issue with this apparent nonsense. The Why Not Board claims the sex survey was voluntary and part of a larger survey about bullying and substance abuse and social media use. But parents complained school principals used teacher and student peer pressure to push up the response rate. Now, when I saw the survey questions, oh, oh, well, I, well, I, well you, I'll read some of them for you. This Why Not City School Board survey asked students about their sexual orientation and whether they identify as transgender. Now remember this survey was for students ages 12 years old and older. Here's some of the questions from the survey. Some people describe themselves as transgender when their sex at birth does not match the way they think or feel about their gender. Are you transgender? Yes, no, not sure. Which of the following best describes you? Heterosexual, straight, gay, or lesbian, bisexual, or not sure? Number three, have you ever had sexual intercourse? Yes or no? Number four, how old were you when you had sexual intercourse for the first time? Number five, during your lifetime, how many people have you had sexual intercourse with? Number six, during the last three months, how many people have you had sexual intercourse with? Number seven, the last time you had sexual intercourse, did you or your partner use a condom? Number eight, have you ever had oral sex? Let me stop there. Our eldest daughter is 14 years old. There's no way on God's green earth that I want her taking some survey like this so some school administrator can have this information. And oh yes, parents back home would be outraged. Ted's not even going to like, he's not going to like any of this. It even gets more ridiculous. Unbelievably, the Why Not School Board had the nerve to conduct this unannounced sex survey after the student rape incident that happened right after the school reopened for those two months of instruction. What a story. This obviously very woke school board was in the habit of enforcing policies they hadn't yet even passed. In this case of rape, they allowed anyone who claimed that they were transgender to use the restrooms and locker rooms of their preferred new gender. Even crazier, the same wannabe policy made why not teachers use the preferred pronouns of self-proclaimed transgender students, whatever that is. What if students, what if all the students could just use whatever pronouns they wanted to be called by? Wouldn't that be a nightmare? What does have any of this have to do with education? What nonsense! And to think that this may have led to a rape at one of the why not schools. Okay, here's the deal. What? Stop. I, I gotta quit using that phrase, that the, here's the deal phrase. It's a Biden line and I hate it. I don't know how I even picked it up and it, it's just a bad habit. I gotta stop it. I sound like a crooked used car salesperson. I gotta slow down. Okay, let me start again. I know it's getting late, and I have several other stories I want to. I want to look into the Why Not Parents Association website further. I, could, I got. I got so much to learn. This whole idea about moving here is just beginning to really freak me out. But this this rape story, it it has to be so far out that, well, it's it's just sick. So, so here it goes. I'm I'm sharing the abridged storyline. Okay. 
the the Why Not School Board had an upcoming policy they wanted passed on transgender student rights, whatever those are. They, they couldn't fit it into an earlier Why Not Board meeting. Interestingly, the governor of Hope You Like It passed and signed into law some transgender policy labeled Policy 8040 that was to serve as a model transgender policy for all the public schools and Hope You Like It. So, despite the fact that the local Why Not School Board hadn't officially passed the new transgender policy yet, they nonetheless strongly encouraged teachers to follow the would-be city and state policy. Now, the teachers' union was 100% behind this new transgender policy. Surprise, surprise. According to the hyperlinked news story on the Why Not Parents Association's website, a male high school student wore a girl's skirt, implying he was a transgender girl, and entered a girls-only restroom where he or she, take your pick, sexually attacked a 14-year-old freshman girl and raped her. And some other things I won't mention here. This story gets really disgusting, as the Why Not School Board kept this crime a secret from parents and from the newspapers and local television stations. How do you get away with something like this? And why? You may ask, why would, why would the board want to keep this alleged crime under wraps? Because the board had scheduled an open meeting to present and pass the transgender 8040 policy in June, a month later. If this crime surfaced before that meeting, the transgender policy was dead in the water. Now, this rape happened, as I said, in May during the last week of in-class school. I knew I'd heard about this case before. It, it did go national, but not until much later after the whole set of crimes went down. And and yes, I said set of crimes. I've never heard uh, these following clips from the victim's father or, or this amount of detail. There's a series of these clips and I'm recording these myself to have Ted hear them when I get back to Normalville. Here's a local Why Not reporter who's asking the father, Scott, how he was notified that his daughter had been raped. The school notified us which assault? The, the initial assault with your daughter. Oh, the initial assault, we were notified on the phone that our daughter had been beat up in the girls' bathroom by a male. Nothing about sexual assault. Uh, when we arrived at the school, my wife arrived first. They sequestered her into a, a little office with a guidance counselor. My wife has reported that the, my wife, my daughter, and the guidance counselor were not allowed to talk about what had happened. They just sat there in silence. And my wife and daughter had to communicate with hand signals and stuff just to figure out what was going on. They wouldn't let me through the front door of the school because I didn't have my ID with me at the time. Um, I think that they obviously knew who I was through the little camera. I think that they should have let me in the door and not had a standoff with me at the front door with an SRO officer. The whole thing was handled poorly. Did they reveal to you that it was the sexual assault and did they say they would handle it internally and no, not contact the police? Nobody would reveal that it was a sexual assault that day. No. Can you imagine showing up to a school and finding out that your daughter had just been sodomized and wondering why there isn't an ambulance at the school and sheriff's officers? And the funny thing is, is I thought the sheriff was there at first, right? Because the SRO says sheriff on the front. 
but it became apparently obvious to me within minutes that he was reporting to the principal, first and foremost. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but that's what was appeared to me. And basically, when I realized that that sheriff wasn't going to help me, you know, I made such a scene that the principal chose to direct someone in the office to call 911 on me because the parent was out of control. The sheriff's department showed up like a SWAT team and escorted me, my wife, and my daughter off the property. That was the last we heard from them. Did the superintendent ever contact you? Nope. Any board members ever contact you? The answer to this last question was a definitive no. So this alleged crime happened in May. Scott and his wife had heard nothing from the school board, nothing from the superintendent, nothing from the high school principal for more than a month. So the June school board meeting came up and Scott and his wife decided to attend to find out what the school board was doing to protect other children across the school system. The reporter asked Scott why he decided to attend this meeting. I went to that school board meeting because my daughter had been sexually assaulted a few weeks prior. I'd never been to a school board meeting before. I'd only seen it on TV. I wanted to go see what the, all the nonsense was all about that I'd been seeing and reading about. I wanted to see it in real life because my family had just unfortunately been pulled into this nightmare. Up until then, had you talked to any other school officials about what happened? No. Well, I mean, you know, we talked to school officials when it happened, um, but no, they abandoned us. Yeah, I I have to call Ted soon. He's going to be he's going to be very upset. He's going to be so disappointed. But we can't put our children's safety at risk by by moving here. No job's that important. Oh, let's continue this story. I just can't let it go. The Why Not School Board, they were determined to keep this rape buried. Now, as it turns out, they, they had alerted the security uh, police that Scott might show up at the June board meeting and, and cause trouble. Afraid that the rape story may have gotten out, early into the June board meeting, they staged the following charade with the, the chair of the board asking the superintendent this contrived question. Do we have assaults in our bathrooms or our locker rooms regularly? To my knowledge, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restroom. The issue of assaults taking place or transgender students assaulting other students in the restroom, uh, Time magazine in 2016 called that um, a red herring. The predator transgender student is or person simply it does not exist. Here's what happened next after this bald-faced lie by the superintendent in the June meeting. Another parent activist, you know, approached my wife and started antagonizing her. And I turned around and, and said, stop. And then I, then I tried to tell the lady what had happened to my daughter. And she looked me dead in the face and said, that's not what happened. And that just struck me like, how do you know what happened? You don't even know me. And then she kept going and, and the police came and you know, the officer was trying to help out. And I said, okay. And I turned my head and she started in on me again and threatened my family business, my livelihood, everything that you know, gives my family what we need. She threatened 
to ruin my business on social media. The next thing I know, I'm getting touched from all over the place. I didn't know who was touching me, who was grabbing me. I turn around, the police are grabbing me, and next thing I know, I'm tackled to the ground. I, I, I'm just shocked. Well, after this event, the board conveniently closed down this meeting. The Why Not Parents Association's video of parents after this announcement shows a mass of very angry parents. Now, the board subsequently rescheduled the vote of this 80-40 transgender policy. The local reporter asked Scott about this 80-40 policy. But apparently the governor allowed some bill to go through that allowed um, kids to wear different sex clothes and go into whatever bathroom they wanted to. And I believe that that's how my daughter was able to be assaulted. I think the 80-40 policy needs to be reversed or changed. I don't know enough about it to tell you what it just, it's wrong. It, it's something has to be different. So what did the board and the superintendent do next? Well, they relocated this predator to another high school, hoping to keep this entire incident invisible until they could pass their woke transgender policies. I mean, I find it amazing that they even call this an incident. Heck, this is a freaking felony crime for heaven's sakes already. But guess what? This sick kid sexually attacked another girl at the high school the superintendent had just transferred him to. But this second assault didn't happen until after the transgender policy passed on a 7-2 to two vote over a vehemently oppositional and extremely boisterous packed school board meeting. Here's Scott again commenting on this second sexual assault. This is in fact the sexual predator that assaulted my daughter. We were under the impression from the prosecutor that this sexual predator was being held on in-house arrest with an ankle monitor and would not return to school until these court sessions were done. To add acid insult to moral injury, the 8040 transgender policy the Why Not Board passed allows transgender girls who are really boys, to compete with real girls on sports teams and leagues. How am I going to tell Ted about this? How am I going to explain this to our daughters? Our eldest daughter's entering high school. It, it, she's an avid volleyball player. I mean, she, she loves the game, and she expects to make the high school team. Uh, my, my room service hamburger is not sitting well with me at the moment. Excuse me, I, I better take some Pepto-Bismol. Okay, I'm back. Th thanks for your patience. I, f I feel better. S sort of better. I, I can't believe it. I I how did I miss all this information before I even got on the plane? Here's the next shocker. When Scott was asked by this local reporter if he thought there should have been some way to have prevented this awful crime, I mean, besides doing away with the transgender restroom issue, here's what Scott had to say. You know, prevention, uh, you know, goes well deep. We don't have enough time to talk about this. You know, there needs to be male and female SRO officers at every school. 
because there needs to be the right sex officer to be able to patrol the right sex bathroom. So if there's not a male and female SRO officer at the school, our children are already in danger right now. If there's not a male and female SRO officer at all schools. So I read that the Why Not School Board and the superintendent did away with the school resource officers on campus because having local dedicated police on every school campus was somehow intimidating and made the students uncomfortable. Sounds like it made the Why Not School Board and superintendent uncomfortable. This sounds like defund the police to me. So what did the superintendent do to make this restroom safer? He removed the doors on the restroom stall, saying students will have to give up some privacy for safety. I feel like Alice in Wonderland, who's just fallen into a deep blue rabbit hole. I've got to call Ted, then I've got to get some sleep. So please come back in the morning and I'll tell you what Lydia's sister, Sage, has to say about all of this. Hello, hello. This is Daniel Francis Baranowski. I hope you've enjoyed Why Not. All these would-be distressing and certainly disturbing events have actually occurred right here, this year, in our America. Please join me next week for the conclusion of True Happenings and Why Not in the very blue state of Hope You Like It.